0: Well, hello there. Welcome along to this week's episode of Soundtracking with me, Edith Bowman. Um, It's wonderful to be back with you with another episode talking about film and music and maybe other things. Um, And I'm really grateful that you have made that choice to listen to us because I know that there is an abundance of choice out there. So I am hand on heart, very grateful that you have chosen to listen to us. So thank you very much indeed. Quick question. Have you been to the cinema yet? I hope so. Um, I have been a couple of times, and I'm going again this weekend, taking a gaggle of child, small gaggle of children to see Cruella. Um, more on that a little bit later on. But first, so excited about this because our latest guest on Soundtracking is a composer returning for a second visit, having scored pretty much every blockbuster to hit her screens in recent weeks. The work of Tom Holkenberg or Junkie XL if you prefer, can currently be heard in the epic Snyder Cut of Justice League, Godzilla versus Kong and the riotous Netflix zombie heist flick Army of the Dead, which I hadn't seen at the time of the recording of this. He was on, I have to say, absolutely brilliant form. So I think we better get straight into it with a cue from Justice League called Things Fall Apart. Now, I should say, That while Tom has a wonderful turn of phrase, some of his language is pretty industrial. And there are a couple of spoilers also during the conversation too. So if you haven't yet managed to put aside the four hours and seven minutes to watch Snyder's cut of Justice League, then well you've been warned. You've been warned. great to have you back on soundtrack and i was looking back to see when you were on where we're at 245 episodes now and you joined us back in march 2018 for episode 81 along with uh, roar where we talked about tomb raider and a few other things Man, have you been busy since then? A few things
1: here and there, you know, some bits and bobs.
0: I think as well that I've got a 12 year old and an eight year old. I'm sure my listeners are bored of me talking about them, but you two films in particular that you did the music for in you know, in, in this kind of weird world that we found ourselves in the last 12 months have been the most wonderful and most excited experiences for them. My 12 year old was Beyond, I mean, every week we'd get, is it, is it, can we watch it yet? Can we watch Godzilla versus Kong? He was just so excited about that as well. And then obviously, you know, the the news of of Zach's proper version of, of Justice League, which is extraordinary. I absolutely loved it. And the score in oh, particular, God. it feels like there's like four scores in one film. There is so much going on. It is wonderful and it fuels so much about this film. Do you mind if we talk? start off by talking about when you started having the conversation with Zach that you were going to take on this project and what, what he asked of you for, for this Justice League? Well, b- besides the
1: fact that Zach and I are always talking on a regular basis because uh, we're, we're, we, we became really good friends over the last um, uh, eight years or so. Um, at a certain point in 2019, he... He asked me, "What would it take to finish uh, Justice League?" And I said, "Yo, are we gonna finish Justice League?" <laughs> and he said, "No, it's not. It's 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 not greenlit. But I just want to know, like, uh, how much time do you need, and do we, where would we record? It's four and a half hours, and you know, it's a lot of planning involved. And um, so the plan was made purely infrastructurally right? No, we're not talking about the substance, but just yeah. like What needs to be done? And so, and then I got the phone call somewhere in April, uh, basically, okay, let's go, let's do it. And it's like, okay, okay, when am I start? Tonight. It's like, okay, okay, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But um, what many people don't understand or realize is like when a movie comes out in the theater or Netflix or any of the other streaming uh, services, there's always like this... um, assumption because so much press comes out uh, before a movie comes out that a composer is actually still working on a movie the week before it comes out but that that it only in rare occasions is that the case what is more the modern approach that uh, sometimes I'm done up to a year before the release of a film so the movie is done the music is done which gives the marketing teams um, uh, so much more Uh, headway to do proper marketing, they could live with the film Uh, some of the movies I worked on, marketing would never see the film in its entirety and they only had a few shots to work with that would be fully finished as uh, CGI, right? And so, in in other words Godzilla vs. Kong was done by the end of 19, Army of the Dead was completely done by half April And last week, April, I got the phone call, let's start on Justice League. So Justice League was like pretty much my whole year last year. And um, so when I talked to Zach and that it was greenlit, I said to him, listen, I played the music that I started on in 16 and I think I should start over. And and he agreed with me. He said, go for it. I'm not married to anything we did in that uh, time period, uh, for me, there were two major reasons. One was that it wasn't a great time period, you know, in 2000, in late 2016, early 17, where everything transpired as it did. I'm yeah. not going to go into details. Sach has been talking extensively in interviews about this whole time period, so I'm going to yeah. leave it with um, but obviously, we both felt felt that. So um, listening to that music back, it just put me in a kind of like depressed state. And um, that's not what you want when you get a phone call that you can now finish <laughs> it, right? It should be yeah. one big celebration instead of like, ugh, again, you know? You don't, you yeah. <laughs> you don't want that. And the second reason is that when I started in 2016, my film scoring career was only three years young. And mm-hmm. and last year, uh, you know, I'm moving into year number nine doing this. And so I've had so much more experience. Uh, I've worked with so many incredible directors since 2016, and I've learned so many new things. So it would have been Uh, I would have been, it's a Dutch expression, I would have been a thief of my own wallet uh, if I wouldn't start (laughs) over, right? It's like I I felt obliged to all the fans of DC to give it my absolute, absolute best and not just like wing it in. And so that's what I did. And it, it, it felt like... Uh, the start of the Mount Everest is the last week of April here we go motherfuckers Four <laughs> hours of music, you know and uh it was intense and it also overlapped with um with COVID and working in mm. complete isolation it made everything more intense and uh it, it was it, it was incredible i kind of like um rediscovered myself as a musician as a composer wow. because I did so much on my own uh, on this movie like playing instruments and dealing with a lot of technical aspects uh you know, in a, in, before COVID, I would have assistants that would say, oh, please download the film for me. And can you set it up in my room? Because I need to make some phone calls. And I would come back, and it's like, can I start? Yeah, everything is ready to go. But in COVID, there was nobody. Yeah, that was my dog. But he, he's a, he, he was, a, unfortunately, he died recently, but- uh, Oh, I'm so uh, sorry. He was a lazy motherfucker. To sleep all day, you know. <laughs> so he, he was not going to help me. Uh,
0: not very technically minded was your dog, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, you know his, his, his technical knowledge was like uh, debatable. And so, but uh, it was it, it was an incredible time period for me, and um, and but also it was a hard year. Of course, it was really rough to see the hardship that a lot of people went through. And it, it was hard not to be able to see my friends in Holland and travel back and forth mm. when I want, which I, is what I usually do. Uh, and, and to see like how many businesses went under, uh, colleague composers that mm. sold all their had and left town and, you know, went back to where they came from. And uh, th- so that's the dark side of this year. The good side of this year is that at least the people around me and the people that I work with have... Uh, Developed such empathy for other people, you know, because everything needs to be done via Zoom. And when you have a mom on a Zoom call that is and trying to do like a, a marketing pitch for a, one of the biggest movies in the last twenty years, and then at the same time see like two kids of four and six that are completely destroying the the, the living room in the background, it's like head off to you, girl, yeah. you know. And so. I, I've, I felt that that so uh, people had a lot of respect for each other, like how resilient this industry is I- in L.A. and how people just keep fighting to keep it alive and to keep it up. Uh, wow. At the same time, you're having two of these little devils in your house that because they can't go to school, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. and the schools are still closed here in L.A. Are you they? Know?
0: Wow. Oh, my God, mine's just went back and it was like I I did a, a kind of celebratory that. I mean, I love them to death, but I'm not a natural teacher of, you know, academic stuff. I can teach some life stuff, but oh, my God, um, it was such a relief when they went back. And I think that that's it's so nice of you to say, you know, in terms of appreciating everyone's you know, the reality check and window into everyone's reality that we've had really through this to, and the, the resilience that people have, like you say, to make sure the cogs are still turning and that things are still happening.
1: No, it really is. And it's like, uh, it, it. it's not like I never respected people because it's one of the basic values that is really high on my list uh, to treat people equal and, and such. But to see it right in front of your eyes, that's what I'm saying, you know, you're on Zoom and then or people that try to talk and then there's like four dogs in the background that destroy the living you know it's like
0: how do you do it
1: you know
0: before we talk about specifics because I made I I watched the film twice um and it's it's I mean, there's so much about it that I wanted to talk about, but there were some a few specific cues within it that I hope you don't mind that if we we can talk about. It. But but before that, just having the knowing that in front of you, you have the opportunity to create this this sonic landscape for four and a half hours, which is, you know, which is half of what you know your average film length normally is for you as a composer and a creative mind, is that a luxury or is it slightly terrifying? Both,
1: because it, it is a luxury that you can do way more musical development, uh, development and uh, you have more space to develop stuff. The scary thing is, well, then you actually have to do exactly that. And, and, and that's one of the hardest parts, because if it was so easy, then... Everybody that makes music would write a symphony, and and that is what a symphony is all about. It's it's like one specific melody that is drawn out over fifty minutes to an hour and just like reworked and reiterated. And it, it it's it's hard. It's tough. Uh, and for me, it meant that I did I needed to do a huge amount of thinking instead of like. Sitting behind one of my instruments and immediately start writing music. So I, I it's like compare it to like building like another Big Ben Tower in London. You know, it's like you're not gonna you're not gonna start working on the the, the, the hourly plate. It's like that comes down the line first, yeah. or or like oh, you know, what is that window, you know, uh, 50 meters high going to look like? No, that all comes later. You First you draw the rough schematics, you get like sign-off by the government and then you start <laughs> with the foundation, you talk to contractors, you start... It, I mean, and then first it's like really rough, you build it up and then you start like working on the inner rooms and then you start to work uh, on details and the details come last. I mean, like uh, you're not picking the tile first before you enter the Big band, Of course not. First you're going to build the Big band, And it's like, okay, what tiles do we want? You know? Yeah. So very similar with a score like this. So you need to sit back and it's like, what is the concept of the music? How many themes do I need? What are the anchor point scenes in the movie that need a uniquely special approach? And how do I end up with music just prior to an important scene that whatever comes down feels like a lift or it feels like a yeah. radical change into what, you, um, what you're what you trying to achieve? It's one of the reasons why uh, the two scenes that people are mostly uh talking about they're talking about a lot of different scenes but two scenes in particular one is the heroic act of flash uh in the in the in the last act uh when he when he's running against the time and the other one is the whole story of styborg like uh, like 25 to 30% into the film those two very important anchor points uh, for instance but in order for those two pieces of music to be successful with the scene that they're with you need to make sure that you're not doing that already in the 20 minutes prior to getting to that scene because it will you lose all the steam you lose all that you want to say so that's what i'm saying it takes it takes thinking like an architect, like how to how to set this up right. And so mm-hmm. it took a while of th- uh, thinking and I think it took me two to four weeks to really think this through, make a checklist what I would need, uh, develop the concept of the score in sounds, like what type of instrumentation, what type of sound design, really making like a massive shopping list. I need this, I need that, I need this, I need that. And then, I think like second or third week, May, I actually starting writing the first piece of music. And uh, that was not even to film. That was still like, okay, I need a Justice League theme. Okay, I need this for Batman. Mm-hmm. Okay, I need this for Wonder Woman. I need this for Superman. I need this for Steppenwolf. I need this for Darkseid. I need this for Flash. And I need this for Aquaman. So now we're halfway June um third way June I present all that to Zach and Zach was happy as a kid when he heard everything and we started roughly throwing stuff against pictures like oh this could be great here and this will do different but this is the theme here and then I think third fourth week of June I started actually attacking the first important scene in the movie and then the second most important yeah. scene and then all the important scenes first okay so now the movie's covered by 35 yeah. now let's divide the remaining 65 in the most important scenes okay let's do those and then we were 70 75 percent in and the other 25 percent we did more oddball kind of things like oh a licensing song would be great here oh here will do something really weird that has nothing to do with the rest of the score for instance that little bit of trap music when Barry and Batman drive off you know when he says like so what is your superpower again and then he looks at <laughs> me and he says, I'm rich and then they drive off <laughs> so, so that's a little moment you don't need an orchestra for that let's do something fun you know so that is like a minute of trap music and, and so there are a few examples like that throughout the movie that were really executed really laid on in the game you know just like oh let's do this here let's do that
0: that's the amazing thing because that's one of the things i love about it is the tone of the film and those kind of those moments that allow you as an audience and a fan to sort of take a breath or have a laugh or, you know, sort of respond to, to something. And that is absolutely complemented so much by, by the music. It's almost like the music sat next to you watching it almost in a way. It's like your companion in a way. It's amazing.
1: Yeah. Another moment like that, for instance, uh, it's that massive scene that uh, for us on paper was called the tunnel battle where as a group, they face off uh, Steppable for the first time when he's, like, um, he's taking uh, Cyrus hostage, you know, the dad of... Uh, yeah, um, Cyborg,
0: yeah.
1: Cyborg. And so they get out of the spaceship, and instead of, like... Uh, tense, like, orchestral music, you just hear, like, a stoner rock blues blues riff, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And it's so... It's it's cool, it's tough, it's badass, but it also puts a smile on your face. It's like, okay, motherfuckers, let's do it.
0: emotions all the emotions you know you kind of you have that and then you have that brilliant use of like you say like um you know like existing music needle drops distant sky when lois is getting the coffee and your heart is breaking you know it's kind of it's just it's so clever and it's also just the not the obvious choices as well with things like that which i think really works so perfectly yeah i think
1: it it's it, it's great to do that and and to experiment with that and, and the last example in that same uh, categories like when Superman then finally shows up at the end of the movie, instead, it, uh, and and uh, so it, it's when the axe of Steppenwolf comes down to hit Cyborg, and uh, <laughs> Superman stands in and he hits him on the shoulder, and then he says, "Not impressed,", Not impressed. and then he and then he starts fighting him. And so instead of doing something really dramatic there, I decided to do like, uh, again, like some sort of a stoner rock mix with like the theme of Superman and, and and really like driving it. So it, and because Superman is slapping Steppable for rounds as if it's like uh, uh, Tom and Barry where Tom gets caught. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and it's like, yeah. you know?
0: Yeah. <laughs> The the cue just before that as well, where he um, where he goes, he gets the new suit and and flying. That cue is incredible. That's an incredible cue.
1: Well, that's very close to the original um, Man of Steel cue, uh, which was written by Hans, and uh, it also made sense to do it because, uh, and I don't mean this in a bad way, um, Mm -hmm. but Superman is the most two dimensional character of this whole of this. Of, of this whole bunch, yeah. Um, because uh, I just need to keep an eye on that.
0: Yeah, go. For Are it you familiar
1: with, with something that's called Instacart?
0: Instacart, no.
1: Yeah, uh, in Instacart, is like it, it's like uh, online grocery shopping with any grocery store that you want, and then they just drop it off. It, it's oh, really great. great. Uh, but so I need to keep on. But because I ordered my weekly groceries,
0: you've got to eat, Tom. <laughs> You've got all these films to write music for. You need to eat.
1: <laughs> um, so back to um, back to Superman. So yeah, he, he, he is, if you will, the most uh, two-dimensional character uh, with not so much character development as in you know he wants to do good. He's loyal. He's loyal to Lois. He's loyal to his mom. He's loyal to the people of uh, planet Earth. He's loyal to his surrogate dad, when he got here, uh, Kevin Costner. He's loyal to his real real dad. He's loyal. Uh, he's loyal to, you know, the planet uh, that he came from, uh, and he always wants to do good. And so, the fact that the music stays the same is because he stays the same, and and therefore it makes sense. know he goes through so many different mood swings uh but also in this uh, trilogy by zach in the second movie he's like uh more so like a washed up alcoholic with a lot of money right i mean he's just like way overweight and uh he's he's not all that great he's very much troubled by uh, his uh, traumatic uh, past whereas in this movie it's clearly a new day right i mean bruce wayne is like okay let's do this let's get the team together let's fix all this equipment and let's make sure that we have a team to do this and so it's a brand new day which also means brand new music and so it makes no sense to take that sad emotional theme from Batman versus Superman and plaster it in Justice League. It wouldn't do the movie justice and it wouldn't do justice the way that it played in the second movie. So, so these are always considerations that you have to make with Wonder Woman, for instance, when Wonder Woman was introduced in Batman versus Superman and Justice League was supposed to be the first movie coming out after Batman Superman before the solo Wonder Woman came out yeah. with better Um So my idea always was to take that really tribal sound and really emphasize the sword and sandal aspect of Wonder Woman. And she is an insanely badass fighter and potentially the most powerful of them all in a certain sense. Uh, and the reason why I'm saying that is that she and Aquaman are the only ones that actually drive swords and spears in people's bodies. The rest have a bunch of trickery uh, yeah. to, to shoot, but they actually put an instrument in somebody's body. And yeah. so she's pretty lethal and, and 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 brutal. So I never understood why a theme needed to be scored for her that while she's killing a thousand people... That it needs to show her feminine side. It's like, I said, (laughs) see what she's doing? You know, it's like that music needs to be as brutal and badass as if it's like fucking Hercules. uh, You know? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: No difference between sparta and hercules and wonder woman in fight in fight mode they're yeah they're badass why does the music need to be different because it's a woman at that point you just have to look at the picture and um and therefore for instance the music for superman has always had a sweet undertone because he is a sweet person he doesn't yeah. want hurt people he would just Deactivate a person, not even kill it. Deactivate it if it's a threat. Whereas woman, 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 and Aquaman, they, they drive spears in bodies.
0: Yeah, I um, there's a really couple of good moments as well where the where voices are used, like the use of voices. So at the beginning, you have that where the locals are singing as Aquaman goes into the water, sort of thing. I love that. It's really lovely. Is that was that written or is that an existing piece of kind of folk music it's beautiful
1: that was his um theme of of wandering you know um for for us actually so the the, the theme for aquaman is a less first person perspective theme is how we call it in, in film scoring uh so for instance uh cyborg's theme And the Flash theme is really first-person perspective because you feel the emotion that they are feeling. Aquaman, we're observing his actions so that the theme for Aquaman is a third-person perspective theme. It's not what he is feeling, it's what we are thinking of him. See his theme on the water, it's not him being surprised because he comes from there. He knows that world every day. It's like driving on Rodeo drive every day with your car because you're going to work. You're not gonna be surprised (laughs) by seeing Gucci and Prada and and Armani. But if you're a tourist in LA, you're like, Whoa, click, click, you know. So that is our perspective when we go underwater and we see Atlantis, you know, for the very, very first time, you know, and we're just like, whoa. So that's why that music is so wondrous and beautiful. It's not for him. He knows that shit is there. You know
0: <laughs> it's so when you know when you when you list the characters that they're that are in this film, you know, even just you know, just the main characters and how they all have their own themes, whatever something, but how they are all amazingly seamlessly weaved together and brought together. And you know, whether it's it's two of the characters or it's three of the characters or it's that one. And that one, you know, the mix up of of it's almost like throwing a dice with regards to which which characters are part of all these different scenes. But it's so seamless and you feel just so connected with the story. with the characters as you're going through it
1: well first thank you Uh, but but, but to answer this question properly i have to go back to the 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 architect face of this uh, score it's like if you go on online or you go to a kitchen store and you pick out a kitchen block with 10 cabinets and an insane uh, stove and whatnot and then you go to your home it's like wait shit my kitchen is way too small for what I just bought. <laughs> it's not gonna fit, you know. So that, or you buy a, a six-seater couch, and then the, the, the movers come to your place. It's like fuck, my door is not even big enough to get the thing. <laughs> you know? So, so that, that's kind of that's kind of the same with themes. So when you write a new theme, you have an idea, like for instance. Part of the design was like that I would pick certain types of harmony that I could interchange between the various different themes. So I could take the theme uh, for uh, Cyborg, but I could superimpose it on the Justice League theme. Or I could take Batman's calling opening line and I could superimpose it on to the Wonder Woman rhythm. And so these are things you need to figure out on before you start, because otherwise you're gonna end up with a kitchen that doesn't fit in, in, in your actual kitchen. You're gonna end up with a couch that doesn't fit in your living room. And you, you're you gonna order a couple of palm, palm tree plants that are <laughs> 50 feet high, but your ceiling is only four feet. <laughs> you know?
0: I love your analogies. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we laid the palm trees <laughs> horizontal through the
0: through the living room. Great. Oh man, it's so great. I love it. I love it. It's so you 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 just how you explain it in such a brilliant way. But how important is it with you know, you building these relationships with with these and friendships with these you know with these a few specific directors you know that you've done multiple films with or you're doing multiple films with when you get to work with people again and, and particularly with the journey with Justice League and and Zach you know getting to make the film that he wanted to make, you all getting to make the film that you wanted to make and release the film that you wanted to release. That journey grows, that friendship grows, that relationship grows, doesn't it? From project to project, as a partnership, as a collaboration. I mean, listen,
1: it's not that with every director, uh, it turns into a friendship, but it, 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 it turns into like um, an incredibly well-respected back and forth uh, working pact, if you if you will, you know? Uh, it, it, the industry i'm in is called show business not show friends you know <laughs> show business
0: oh yeah
1: so, but with quite a few of them i actually did develop a really good friendship and to uh, name a few like george uh, george miller uh tim miller and Zach schneider and even with peter jackson and his wife uh friend I have regular email contact, and we call every now and then. And it's like, hey, what's up? What are you working on? And just checking in. And it's 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 really great. And um, if you continue to work together, it's also so nice to know where that person is in her or his life, you know, and vice versa. And uh, not that you work with a director again on a second or third movie, and then you find out that. Your parents both died in that in in those two years, and that you lost your dog, and that you uh, you moved out, and uh, you lost a leg, and uh, and your tongue is taken out. I'm just saying, like a bunch of traumatic stuff, of which my dog dying is actually true. But you wanna you wanna stay connected, you know. So when 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 it, when you do get to work together. Uh, you know where that person is, in his head and in his soul, and it makes it easier to communicate. And on the work front, you just know what you're going to get. And in, in my case, it's like <laughs> uh, d- when directors work with me, they know what they're going to get, which is they don't know what they're going to get. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, uh so I guess that is a certainty too, right? In a way. Yeah.
0: Um, one of the still... other films that we enjoyed during, um, you know, I I think one of the things that this whole lockdown period has given us is the opportunity to revisit so many great films that we either have in our DVD collection or we can stream or, you know, download or buy sort of thing. And one of the, we I rewatched Mad Max Fury Road that I hadn't, I haven't watched that film in a, in a few years and it's like six years old now sort of thing. What I mean, it is such, a great film it was such a treat to sit down and re-watch that film again and it's maybe been two or three years since I watched it again and oh man if anyone listen hasn't seen it in a while give yourself the luxury of sitting down and watching Mad Max Fury Road again because it's great
1: I actually have a really hard time watching movies that I worked on. Do you? Yeah, I, w- I watched them once, uh, and then <laughs> I can't help myself. If I if I watch a movie that I worked on, okay. like, we we're already two minutes in, fuck, I should not have done that. <laughs> why did I do that? Oh, man, why? Oh, you know, but that, that makes you grow, because if 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 i would play something let's say an artist record from 1996 that i did and i would say oh boy i was so good in 1996 i, I <laughs> might as well stop and just work at a grocery store packing bre- packing sandwiches or something you know <laughs> you you want to feel the you progress you move you move uh, forward and there's not one piece of music that i make that i'm looking at oh this is my masterpiece there's no such thing like when you're working on it you deliver the absolute best that you have in you. Mm. But two months later, there is a new absolute best that you can bring. And and during the um, the architect phase of developing a score, you do make mistakes that you do not see at the time, but you yes. see them later. And yeah. uh, it's like, ah, next time. Let's not do that. You know to self, you know? And yeah. so... Uh, if you fear experimentation and you're just gonna um, you're just gonna stick to what you know and you're just gonna rehash what you know, you're never gonna be able to push yourself to new heights. And and yeah. it, I mean for me that is such a incredible important thing. And 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 I'm not judging other people that don't, but uh, I will judge myself if I don't because I want yeah. to be surprised. I want to be su- because our, our brain. It's like limitless what it can process or what it can take in. So, it's great.
0: I guess with with something like the like George and, and Mad Max and the 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 history and heritage that there is there with that world, you know, and, and we're like you know working with Maurice Jarre in the past on on that, and then similarly with Godzilla versus Kong and that there's you know the history of those characters as well. Is that something that you think about or 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 explore before you start working on your vision and your kind of you know your you start the architect side of it
1: yes i know like for instance for uh godzilla i wanted to create a theme that was new but that was clearly breathing 60 years of godzilla history <laughs> you know it, it it reminds you of so many moments of earlier uh godzilla films we're talking about the uh 50s uh, 60s 70s and so that was important was important that his theme breathed, like, the rich history of Hollywood monster movies, you know? So yes, in those cases, I would look at certain things. Batman? Absolutely not. I would not study Danny Elfman's themes or uh, the older Hans Zimmer collaboration with Chris Nolan. It just doesn't make any sense. It's a new director. He deserves a new, fresh music approach and not something that fitted well with a different film. So when people are saying, oh, why... Wasn't John Williams' Superman theme quoted in Justice League? Because it doesn't work. It it works fantastic in the 1978, and nobody writes like John Williams. Nobody, even people that say they do. It, it, he's like at that <laughs> at that insane level that we can only wave at. How is it up there? Create you know?
0: the temple of Williams. <laughs> yeah,
1: it, it, nobody knows where the fucking stairs are to go to John Williams. <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> i've got a lovely so Kong story for you um, my kids um school last year of school they were like 12 13 they as part of their um music class they gave uh, the kids wanted to um write their own interpretation of the kind of closing scene from the 1933 king kong film and they played it. They created this little, this score for like about four minutes worth of the last scene of the film and they played it live whilst they projected the film in this church. It was the most amazing thing. And I think that that's something that, you know, particularly with kids and and some of the films that you've worked on is that they really connect to the music. They really connect to to the emotion and the narrative that is being driven by the music, much more so than I did when I was little and watching films. You know, I connected with John Williams every time. Do you know what I mean? But I think that there's something in in the way that you write and the connection with the characters that the connection is is extraordinary.
1: You know what, as a kid growing up, what my favorite movie was, because of the music, Saturday Night Fever. And it didn't yes. even have a computer, because it was just the BGS Gees, it's cool in the game. <laughs> yeah, Is that what incredible. made
0: you want to get yeah. into writing film music?
1: Well, I always loved films, and I've always been some sort of a film buff by watching so many different types of movies. Uh, but I was drawn more to the artist world when I was uh, younger and go on tour uh, and uh, make artist records collaborate with art- with other artists it was not until like half 90s when a uh, movie started licensing music from my artist albums that i was like oh interesting my music in a movie and then slowly the process began of me getting more and more interested in actually I don't want to say I got more interested in film music because I already was, but I was interested in potentially switching careers completely, quit my artist life and become a full-time composer. And that eventually happened in 2010.
0: And then, I mean, mean, just, I mean, listen, we're about to run out of time, but I hope we get the chance to talk some more because, you know, I want to talk more about Mad Max Fury Road. I want to talk Deadpool. I also want to talk about 3000 years of long in the George um, Miller film that you that's, that we're hopefully going to be getting next year as well. There's there's a, there's a an abundance of things. Army of the Dead as well, I can't wait to see that. There's so many things. You've been a busy man, Tom.
1: Yeah, but you, know, you better hurry up because I suffer from serious amnesia of like all the films <laughs> I work on. I think the deadline for Mad Max is like, 16 more weeks and then i don't remember anything of that movie anymore
0: okay let's pencil it in for 15 weeks time (laughs) or maybe 12 weeks time and we'll get that in
1: (laughs) i'm just starting with you
0: listen it's so great to chat to you with yours and huge congratulations and thank you for everything as well it's been a thoroughly it's been a it's been a trip watching all this great stuff that you've been doing
1: oh thank you so much likewise
0: Where are you placed? I'm in Gloucestershire now, just outside London, about an hour and a half outside London. um, North? uh, West. So on the way to Bristol. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, got out got out of got out of the big smoke just to uh, to get some space and some green and fresh air, and it's only like an hour and a bit on the train. It's easy. It's great.
1: So so you're uh, you're close to uh, where the, the Somerset Motors always take place, right? The, the Inspector Barnaby. Is that the area that you're in?
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah not far from that. <laughs> Um, we were in the Forest of Dean at the, uh, the weekend where they filmed some of um, Return of the Jedi in the forest as well. I only ever go places where there's a reference to films. That's it.
1: I, I was I was doing an interview, um, I te- a tech interview, like earlier this year. And uh, he said, oh, you know, I actually live in Somerset. but But, but actually, Somerset was never uh this city where they actually filmed the Somerset murders right because they filmed it like somewhere else but uh it's too expensive uh, yeah but he he uh he said oh yeah but I live in one of those typical houses and he walked outside with his laptop and it's like you know one of those typical houses where these murders would take place and you know but it's so funny because if you see I've seen all the seasons from Inspector Barney Me, Bar- and if you see them like uh, back to back, you know, like uh, binge watching. It's like, <laughs> like it's like twice a day somebody brutally gets slaughtered in in uh, in that area, which obviously is not true because it's like mega safe, right, out there.
0: Well, we hope so. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, but but I, I I love that you're a big fan of Midsummer Murders. It's like it's it's the gift that keeps on giving to everybody oh, yeah, around yeah, the uh, world. I think as well. It's hilarious.
1: I love it. Uh, the one I really liked uh, was um, which I think is Irish is The Fall.
0: Oh, The Fall. With, yeah, with uh, Jamie Dornan and Gillian Anderson. Oh,
1: oof, so good.
0: So good. My friend Laura was in that. She only lasted an episode, and then she was. <laughs> <laughs> so good though wasn't it brilliant apparently I heard a rumour there might be another series
1: but because this was like completely close off it would be like a whole
0: new story then right yeah 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 totally I think they want to go prequel like pre uh, okay. but yeah who knows Tom thank you Love so it, much Dr. sir you too take care stay safe enjoy yeah, your and food it,
1: and enjoy that the kids are in school yeah <laughs> feel free to get drunk at daytime now <laughs>
0: it's <totally Yeah>. <laughs> again <laughs> okay. bye Tom bye. thank you <laughs> Score to Godzilla vs. Kong, that's through there. Rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with Tom Hulkenberg aka Junkie XL. My huge thanks to Tom for joining us. He is hilarious! So much fun! And I love the fact that he binges on Midsummer (laughs) Murders so random who'd have thought but there you go now all the films we discussed are available on home entertainment format with his scores for both justice league and godzilla versus kong available via our very good friends at water tower music so if you are uh, have a penchant for you know soundtrack vinyl then that is where you want to head to make sure you get yourself a copy of those Head to edithbowman.com to catch up with all of our previous episodes, including my last conversation with Tom and the chat that I had with his friend, Mr. Peter Jackson. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK. And please do, if you have the time, leave us a rating and review on iTunes if you get a second. Also, tell your friends. It really does help. Next up then, I am very excited to um, share with you a conversation that I had with the director of Cruella, Craig Gillespie, but not just Craig. I spoke to Craig Gillespie and I also spoke to the wonderful Cruella herself. I mean, she couldn't be further from Cruella, Emma Stone. Emma Stone, Craig Gillespie on next week's show. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then.